And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic, sort of. This is Bill Landis. Uh, by myself, Ari Wasserman is on vacation, but we still wanted to have something in the feed for you guys this week. So what you're about to hear is an episode of Stars Matter. It is the weekly recruiting podcast that Ari does with Mitch Light, who is an editor at The Athletic. Uh, it shows up in the Andy Staples show feed. I'm sure a lot of you guys who listen to this probably listen to that show or are familiar with, with Andy's show. Um, Ari does this every week with Mitch. They talk about the, the national recruiting landscape. On this particular episode, uh, it is myself, it is Mitch, it is Antonio Morales, our USC beat writer, who's also pretty plugged into uh, matters pertaining to recruiting, not only in Southern California, but, but across the country as well. Uh, we talk about the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA and kind of the implications of that recruiting-wise. Um, certainly for Ohio State, we talk about Ohio State, but the, the Big Ten as a whole how it benefits or, or frankly might not benefit USC or UCLA. So just kind of the recruiting impact of that. And then we touch on some more uh, national re- recruiting news as well. So uh, that'll follow here. Ari and I will be back next week with a normal episode of four to six, but until then enjoy myself, Mitch Light and Antonio Morales on stars matter. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, and I am not joined by Ari Wasserman. Our good friend Ari is at the beach somewhere, I think, in California. Um, So pinch hitting this week, we have Antonio Morales, who covers USC and Pac-12 recruiting for us at The Athletic, and Bill Landis, uh, our Ohio State writer. And we're going to – first of all, guys, how are you doing? Doing great. I'm doing well. Glad to be in the Big Ten with Bill now. Yes, exactly. I'm sure a lot of good, a lot of bad jokes on that uh, coming. But so obviously a lot to talk about, guys. Uh, We're going to discuss the big news from last week, um, how it will affect recruiting for both teams in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. We're going to get an update from Antonio, just in general, how the Lincoln-Riley era is going overall. We'll bounce around. The country hit some of the big recruiting developments the past week, and we will still have trivia. No Ari, but we will have trivia, and we're going to jump into the mailbag if we've got time. First of all, let's start with you, Antonio. Um, Initial reaction to the news. I mean, we were in an editor's meeting, and just like, holy cow. um, Obviously, very few people knew something was up. Initial reaction from you, who's been, you know, Southern California native, spent some time in Mississippi, but you've been around the USC program, obviously covered it for the past few years. Yeah, we just got done recording a podcast with Ari and Andy, and I was on my way to Elite 11 uh, to meet up with Ari, and then I was like, uh, looks like I'm not going not going there today. Um, I, I think USC's fans had been frustrated with the Pac-12 for a while. I just think stuff like them scheduling USC like to play like 12 weeks in a row 
<laughs> like with no buys. Um, the revenue sharing, obviously, and uh, just a bunch of little things like you know, how committed are the other schools to football? Uh, I, I just think that frustrated the fan base for a while. And uh, when, whenever the calendar got slow, it seemed like every May there was – USC should go independent. Like that's, that was the cry from the fan base. So you knew they were frustrated with the Pac-12, and there were some wandering eyes. Um, but I was shocked to see, you know, the Big Ten. I was shocked to see it now. But obviously, once you look back in retrospect, it it all makes sense. So I, I guess you know it's interesting what you said. I guess I've heard some of that. So big picture, like looking back, it's not a huge surprise that they something happened. But just the, the Big Ten obviously seemed like a weird fit. Bill, you know, we talked a little bit on Slack about this, about recruiting. And, you know, this is a recruiting podcast. We're going to talk about other things as well. Like, I, and Antonio chime in here, like, I, I'm just fascinated to see how this affects USC and UCLA recruiting in California. Like, I, I could argue that it hurts them because while they're in a quote-unquote better conference and more committed, if you're a kid from San Diego, you're going to play if you go to you, you know, two years ago, if you sign with USC, you're going to play UCLA every other year. You're going to play Arizona, Arizona State, you know, Cal and Stanford. I know they're not close, but now you are going to play, unless things change dramatically, you're going to play one home game every other, one road game every other year in California. I can see how this does, this, how this hurts. It doesn't give them that hometown discount, so to speak. Bill, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I'm inclined to uh, to agree. I, I think I, I don't. I just don't know, like, what what is the argument for helping USC in terms of recruiting? I, and I guess if the answer is more exposure, playing in bigger games, then then I guess I can buy that. But I I think it's a harder sell for people who want to see their kids play in person or even like relatively close to where they're from. If if you're recruiting mostly from from your backyard in Southern California and then then in the rest of the state, um, I, I guess you can make the argument that you know, you're sort of the only game in town now. Like if you want to play big time football on the West coast, you have to go to USC or UCLA for that matter. But, but USC, I think first and first and foremost, and I guess that's right. But I also don't, don't we all kind of feel like this is eventually going to get to a place where like Oregon and Washington are also in the big 10. And then that selling point kind of feels null and void. So I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's a better question for Antonio. Like do you, do you look at this as a as a no doubt about it win in terms of how it impacts USC's recruiting, or is there is there any scenario where this can hurt them? The first thing I thought of was the parents and thinking of Eric Nelson, Malachi Nelson's dad. I remember talking to him before that thing really heated up a, a year ago, before he committed to Oklahoma, when USC still looked like the favorite uh, before Clay Helton kind of bung- bungled that, and it was. Uh, we don't want to go to like we don't want to go that far because we can't afford to get on plane flights to see Malachi play. Obviously, that's different now with NIL and things like that. Um, but that that was the main point to why USC was such a favorite in the beginning of of that recruitment. And so I, I think that's going to be a tough sell for a lot of parents. But at the same time, I'm also thinking a lot of these West Coast kids are used to leaving now. Anyway, um, Bryce Young's in, in at Alabama, CJ Shroud's at Ohio State. Um, Ohio State's scored several big Southern California recruiting wins over the past couple of years. So it's not like Southern California kids aren't accustomed to leaving the footprint now. It's a bit different. So I, I wonder how that kind of you know, meshes with, with this move. Bill, does Ohio, you know, I, I've heard you and Ari talk about it. We might have talked about it, how like not a lot of this. This doesn't really affect Ohio State that much, except that like their league's changing. They're still Ohio State. They're still the top. They're still expectations haven't changed. But if you're if you're Ryan Day, are you talking to a Southern California recruit? Like you've got an even better sell now. It's like you don't. Yeah, coach, I want to stay home. Well, why stay home when you don't? You have no road games here. Come come to Ohio State. You're still going to play. You know, if they're in the same pod, who knows? You might play USC or UCLA every other year. I think this slightly helps Ohio State. What do you think, Bill? I, I agree. I, th- I think uh, to, to what extent I'm not entirely sure. I think you can say like, well, like now we assume like Big Ten Network's going to be in California, right? So like you can watch your son more frequently on television, even if you're not able to make make the trip. Um, the the teams that I guess you will become more familiar with um, are now playing in the same conference as as you know the, the biggest brands kind of on on the West Coast. I think that helps. O- Ohio State recruiting California. They've done a they've done a good job there. I think anytime you can get 
even like one or two guys out of California, especially the caliber of guy that Ohio State has gotten, you're, you're doing a good job. Um, it's not been particularly widespread. They've they've kind of mostly just done a good job at, at Bosco, St. John Bosco there and, and Bellflower. Got Wyatt Davis. Um, they got Court Williams. Um, Peyton Woodyard, right, is is also at, at Bosco, right, Antonio? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're they're in that recruitment as well. So maybe maybe that helps there. I'm, I'm wondering if it helps Ohio State get and I, I, I suppose any other Big Ten program, for that matter, like more footholds in Southern California, like, I don't know, like modern day forever has just been kind of like a USC school. Can mm-hmm. can someone else go in there and, and, and make a little noise? Um, Ohio State got CJ Stroud out of Retro Cucamonga. I know that's like not a school that, that turns out guys every year, but but I'm wondering if, if any team in the Big Ten that's willing to put in the effort now to recruit Southern California can kind of expand its influence a little bit there because of this. By the way, quick side note, Rancho Cucamonga, if I pronounce that right, was the bane of my existence at Athlon Sports because we had their rosters and we had very narrow columns to try and fit guys in. And every time, I don't know if I go R Cucamonga, it might, I, you know, so every time I hear that, I just get pissed. Um, very, very long name for a, uh, for a high school. Um, putting you guys on the spot here, if you could pick one school, it could be USC, it could be UCLA, one school at, from what we know now from a recruiting standpoint, this helps the most. Bill, you look like you're deep in thought. You got an answer? Um, I don't. No, I don't have a great answer. I because this will sound. This will run like counter to what I said earlier about USC. But let's just let's just say this like this isn't this isn't a negative for USC USC on the West Coast. Well, then I'm wondering because I I think the the one thing that will I think be a challenge for Lincoln Riley at USC as he tries to build that program back into a national championship caliber program is being able to get the linemen. And now, like, does this open the door to go into the Midwest and bring – you're still technically bringing guys into the Big Ten? And and can that help USC get a better caliber of linemen more consistently to build that up to where it needs to be? So, for, like, for because I have that prevailing thought in my head, I do wonder if it can be most beneficial to a program like USC. It's, it's the Ari Wasserman pitch. Just, hey, you know, it's 20 degrees and – and snowy where you live come out to la um so antonio how, you know i know historically going back to Pete carroll usc was not just a local recruiter they get guys out of georgia mm-hmm. ohio i don't remember a lot of guys michigan like not a ton of midwest right maybe so, some ohio guys yeah i think fred davis was the only one i remember from that ohio region and um yeah there wasn't a lot of guys from that midwest is a lot of florida a lot of like that tampa area tampa, but yeah not a lot it, of Midwest guys. There's no reason Ohio's – I mean, USC should not be able to recruit the Midwest better. And this – like Bill's point, maybe this helps. Yeah. You, you agree, Antonio? Yeah, I would think so. And that's something I've been thinking about. You know, what Bill mentioned is does this give them greater access now to uh, the bigger bodies in the Midwest? You look at California, I think this cycle and last cycle combined, there's only one blue-chip offensive lineman that was Ernest Green and went to Georgia – He's the only four-star or five-star guy that's come through in California the past few years. It's a, it's a big issue. Um, so um, I think I'm interested in that aspect of you know, USC's recruiting efforts. And I think, you know, to your original question, I, I don't know, you know, who stands to benefit most from the move. I think I'm interested to see what Michigan does and if this does anything more for for them. They've had a couple of, recruiting victories out here on the West coast. Um, some that aren't too memorable, but um, they've had a few. So I'm interested to see um, what this does for them. I'm yeah. wondering, sorry, sorry, sorry to cut you off, Mitch, like and maybe you were going to get to this, but um, I'm, I'm thinking about like the quarterback play that's available in that area of the country, not just Southern California, but I, I would include like Arizona in, in this conversation as sure. well. And I think, like, with the exception of Ohio State, which has had really good quarterback play of late, and a couple guys, you know, here or there, um, I think the league has has suffered from the lack of, of quality quarterbacks. And and now maybe this opens it up for, um, you know, I don't know, Michigan State, um, Wisconsin, Purdue, those kind of programs to get a better quality of quarterback 
specifically, but also just like skill talent in general. Um, it's kind of fun. Like the, the Midwest specializes in linemen, like Antonio and I mentioned, and the West coast, I think specializes in, in, in skill position. And mm-hmm. um, the idea of like combining all that together, I, I maybe, maybe we're kind an of alliance, a recruiting alliance. That's right. A recruiting, a recruiting alliance, if you will. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to like overstate the impact, but I do, I do find that to be like an interesting mesh of, um, specialties, I guess, with each of these kind of geographic regions. Yeah, and I think the obvious answer, and it, we're we're the only thing we can answer right now is like things we know today. You know, we don't could something literally could happen while I don't think it will while we're recording. But the, you know, who does this hurt the most? In you know, I, I'm tempted to say you know, school like Washington or Arizona schools. Now, Oregon, incidentally, you would think that hurts them a lot in the short term uncertainty but they got yesterday on or tuesday excuse me they got a commitment from a top 100 you know cornerback from from seattle um so i just antonio you know you might even be working a story on this but i would think these other pac-12 schools their message their their sales pitch just got a lot more difficult yeah exactly i think talking to jason negro who's the head coach of st john bosco i talked to him several times throughout the years when i had to write the several Lies in USC recruiting, one of well stories. Um, and one of the things he mentioned is always like, yeah, like these kids want to play in big games and all this stuff. And USC wasn't really doing that. And as a whole, the, the Pac 12 isn't going to be really doing that much without, you know, as it's viewed as a weaker conference now. I was talking to a, a recruiting staffer within the league yesterday and I was asking him about USC and UCLA leaving and as is it going to hurt that, you know, there's not going to be that one, those one or two games in Southern California every one to two years. And he was like, I don't think that's going to hurt us as much as the perception that the conference is just really weak. Now Uh, that's going to be the big hurdle that they need to get over. And USC has dealt with that when Southern California kids just want to play in the sec because they want to play against the best. Uh, and that's hurt USC in the past. And I, I think it's going to hurt these Pac-12 schools. And I saw somebody bring up a point on Twitter. The other day, I forget who it was, but they mentioned Arizona State, who hasn't done a good job of, like, building relationships in Arizona. Like, they've been depending on Southern California. Like, how does that affect them now? Um, um, so there's a lot of schools that are going to be, you know, hurting because of this. Yeah, and um... – lost my train of thought about um, something about one of the Arizona schools. But so, so I had a note here cause I was reading this just floored me, Bill, you'll find this interesting being a, uh, a, a big 10 guy. Uh, I was editing Jesse temples, uh, Wisconsin recruiting story. Wisconsin has offered a scholarship to one in-state player in the 2023 cycle. Just think about what we're talking about, protecting your backyard, USC, how many recruits they have at their disposal. I know you and Ari talk on the podcast, like a down year for Ohio, the point of the story was they have five commitments in Illinois and it's close, but imagine trying and Wisconsin's good, but imagine, and I don't know how this all affect them, but trying to recruit and, and build a championship roster when there's one guy in your own state that you feels good enough to recruit. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause it, uh, a town near in Ohio is still like, there's like six or seven Ohio state quality players instead of like nine or 12. Um, and then, but Ohio state is really good at supplementing when, when, when that's the case. Um, the, I, the the thought of even offering w- only one player in your state is kind of mom boggling, but I, I suppose like Wisconsin probably finds itself in that position quite often, and um, Nebraska, I'm I'm sure does, and or at least or at least feels that way sometimes, and, and maybe I think we're going to talk about Iowa later. Like Iowa probably some years feels like that um, as well. So that that's another thing that that could be a. a benefit to those kind of programs with, with this kind of move like i don't know are you really going to convince a kid from los angeles to come play football in iowa city I, perhaps not or or lincoln those schools, those schools do well in south florida though i mean maybe yeah, the distance so, isn't as great but you know once you're on a plane for two or three hours you know it's i'm always just shocked how some of those big 10 schools do so well in south florida i i think i i don't I don't want to speak definitively and just say like the floodgates are open, like they're going to start coming now, but, it, but clearly this gives them a better shot. So like if, if every, if every program in the big 10 footprint that doesn't have a super fertile recruiting ground as its backyard, like suddenly has this new Avenue open to go recruit Southern California, which I think, I think they do. Then I think that that lifts the entire conference in, in a not insignificant way. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I know what I wanted to bring up earlier, um, Antonio, UCLA. I mean, sort of an open-ended question. Like, how, It's amazing how such a proud program and it can feel so irrelevant. And like, how, how do they factor into this? That's the interesting aspect of that recruiting staff where I talked to was like, well, USC has been portal heavy and they're kind of recruiting not just the West Coast, but nationally. And UCLA, they're just like not recruiting that hard. So like, it's going to be really tough to like recruit against them. Can I give him Ari's number? I think he needs to talk to our friend about it. (laughs) So like, um, that's going to be the interesting aspect to watch of this is just like, what is this like a uh, attitude shift from UCLA? It's like, we're going to take football like seriously (laughs) now. Like we're going to try to win more. Like we're like, they've obviously spent a lot of money on some resources, like the food and things like that. Um, but they haven't really been all too aggressive in recruiting. And I think Chip's done a good job of developing, uh, but the ceiling's so limited by the the talent they have um, on hand. They just don't, they're just, you don't ever really see them in the mix that much for the elite kids from Southern California. It's, it's like Chip's just kind of resigned to trying to work the transfer portal and not, and not really focusing all that much on recruiting. Just continues to be staggering. I mean, it's a very good school academically, beautiful campus, tradition, amazing uniforms. You know, I just I I, I don't understand that. All right, Antonio, um, we'll give you sixty seconds to tell us why your alma mater, San Diego State, should be in the Pac twelve. <laughs> and Pac twelve needs the the Southern California market again. Uh, so you know, if they need to play in Southern California and recruit LA and recruit San Diego and recruit those areas, they uh, they know who to call. <laughs> All right, there you go. It's like instead of a sixty-second spot, you just bought a fifteen-second commercial right there. And, and what do you, you know? You're out there. I, I see. You know the articles. Do you think I'll lump them in Fresno State together? Is there a chance? I'm not sure. I really, I really don't think. Like the the, the Pac-12 has kind of looked down on San Diego State and Fresno State and those schools for a while now, just because uh, they don't have the academic kind of standards the Pac-12 wants. I, I think. The football, like San Diego State's football commitment has really improved. They have the new stadium. and Is that opening this year? Yeah, yeah. They opened it against Arizona. And um, you know, they beat Utah this past year yeah. and beat Arizona. And the basketball program solid. Um, so they've taken the steps forward athletically. But it's just a matter of will they bring enough value TV-wise to the Pac-12? I don't, I don't know if they will. And um, will the Pac-12 kind of overlook that academic stuff that's – kind of been a barrier to them considering them in the past how would you assess take recruiting out of it um the lincoln riley are at usc so far obviously they played a game still a honeymoon people still just like can't believe we got this that guy things things going well yeah i think the honeymoon the honeymoon is still going on we'll see when the season rolls around and if there's one or two losses in there uh, I, I think i think he's clearly like raised the standards for the program, I think those slipped a bit when Clay Elton kept constantly talking about Pac-12 South titles, and I think the fans kind of grew fed up with that. So I think he's raised the standards and raised kind of the commitment level. Um, like Bill talked about, the offensive line recruiting and the trenches is a concern. The, they they lost out on Josh Connerly. They, uh, they just made a push for Maui Goa, and then he commits to Miami, which we'll get into later, but – um, those are two guys they've made pushes on. They've lost both of them. Um, and with the lack of California talent in terms of offensive linemen, um, I think that's still a concern for the fan base. I think that's 
that's the main thing that's kind of been the the chink the armor and in, in, in the honeymoon phase for for riley so far yeah i think that's you know and it's something we we try to write about from a uh, are you beat writers is like just roster constructions like you can be a casual fan and just look oh usc signed making this up five straight top 10 classes whatever but if if they don't have the guys up front if you're not built the right way especially going into the big 10 it mm-hmm. it's not gonna matter yeah i think their class is 13th right now and it's the skill guys are still good malachi nelson zachariah branch mikhail lemon those are all like top 50 players in the country um, but they're gonna need somebody to block and and tackle and stop the run um so until they get that sorted out this they're not gonna accomplish what they want to hey bill do you remember in your last appearance on uh stars matter the, the trivia question which school had gone the longest without signing a four-star recruit which power five school do you remember that i think you were on that episode uh I I recall the question. I, I don't remember the answer. Do you do you, do you know the answer to that, Antonio? I don't. Okay. Well, it was Bill. By the way, I'm hurt that you don't recall every second from the podcast, but it's okay. I know. Everything that uh, involves Ari just kind of goes <laughs> in one ear and out the other. So yeah, I apologize that's, for that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Oregon State. It was Oregon State. 2017 was the last time uh, Isaiah Hodgkins. And I bring this up because. The Beavers got a commitment from four-star defensive lineman uh, Kelsey Howard from Las Vegas, number 227 overall. So uh, Jonathan Smith doesn't care. He's not letting this uh, this situation get in the way of signing his first four-star recruit. I uh, thought that was notable. All right, guys, you both cover recruiting. I mean, you follow recruiting nationally. I, I think poor Iowa, like one of the, the biggest recruiting win in school history, Caden Proctor, top 10 player, top recruit ever to go to Iowa or in the modern era. Beat Alabama head to head. Did I think he might have announced like an hour after this news broke? You know, this would have been, you know, not not that this would be like making national headlines, but it's just everyone so far under the radar. Bill, I mean, this is a massive win for that program. Huge. Um, I went to his high school, Southeast Polk, um, in Des Moines. Uh, what yeah, was good that? job. You went there to write about two kids, and neither went to Ohio State. That's all right. Uh, I let's, see. <laughs> let's talk more about how Ohio State recruiting is falling off. I don't think you guys have covered that enough on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. That that's what makes it impressive. Like, and and it's not. It's like Caden Proctor on his own is impressive. But they got Caden Proctor and they got Xavier Nwangpa, his his high school teammate last year. Um, those are legitimate wins for Iowa. That's not just like, you know, resting on your laurels and and expecting a kid in your backyard to show up there. Like they had to beat Notre Dame and Ohio State for Xavier Nwangpa. They had to beat Alabama for Caden Proctor. And like I think legitimately had to beat them. Um, this this kid is an incredible offensive tackle prospect. Um, he is. I'm I'm a large man. I'm like I'm sick. <laughs> I'm six six. Uh, Caden Proctor made me feel small. <laughs> that is that is a, a a big man, an athletic man. Um, I think he's going to be an absolute stud at a program that develops offensive linemen really well. But I also think too, sort of what this signifies a little bit for Iowa and maybe the Big Ten West in general is is important because the the crux of a story that I wrote at the time, Mitch, and you edited it, so you know, was that. The Big Ten West, like when 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 the rare occasion when this kid, a kid like Caden Proctor, a kid like Xavier Nwampa, is in the Big Ten footprint, and more specifically the Big Ten West footprint, you have to keep them there to to I guess like maintain any sense of respect to put yourself in position to to maybe compete with the Big Ten East. You have to win those battles, um, and they're difficult. They're really difficult. I understand that, but for Iowa to do it. Um, I, I think, you know, says, says a good deal about their program and, and how well they recruited there. Um, but I also think is, is good for that side of the league, too. Yeah. And this isn't a case of a legacy like I, Washington comes to mind getting Sam Heward a few years ago. You know, obviously the last name Heward in, in Washington, not that he wouldn't have gone there anyway, but it's Washington is a program that struggled to keep five star kids at home and they got him good for them. But he's a legacy, you know, as far as I know, maybe Proctor's parents went to Iowa, but it wasn't like his, I don't think his dad played football there or any. So that was just a, a huge get. Miami is another program that is making national headlines and recruiting. Uh, first of all, um, Antonio, I don't know if you're a, a QB whisperer, QB coach. What do you think of Jaden Rashad out at, at the Elite 11? Uh, it was what you heard, kind of what you heard about him before getting out there. That Obviously, there's talent there, but he's still very raw. And um, I think that showed uh, throughout the week. Obviously, there, there's some good material to work with, but um, he was missing some throws. And I know it wasn't his best performance. And you kind of wonder 
was the whole couple of days leading into it where just this kid's yeah. making nine and a half million dollars and all the social media stuff that was going on around him. Did that have any impact on his performance at Elite 11? Just because that's a, that's a heavy toll to kind of carry um, going into one of the biggest events of your life so far. Um, so I wonder sometime removed, maybe a couple of weeks removed from that or a couple of months removed, removed from that, if he'll look better than he did last week. Yeah, and, and uh, that was, what, about a week ago, his commitment. Since then, Fran- is it Francis Maagoa, the uh, the offensive lineman mm-hmm. uh, from IMG, number nine overall, number one offensive tackle, the only offensive tackle rated higher than Caden Proctor. And then they recently got uh, Nathaniel Joseph, the uh, wide receiver from Miami who had been committed to Clemson, three top 100 guys. I'll frame it this way. We had a reader, a mailbag question last week, and, and Ari was almost left speechless, couldn't decide. Like, I'll ask you guys. Which of the big three in Florida are you buying stock in over the next five years? With the most, Miami. It's not even close. Like what? Okay. <laughs> what is? What do I? I, I wish I wish Ari was here so I could ask him about his weird infatuation with Billy Napier, who's like done nothing to warrant it. <laughs> um, it has to be Miami. How could it not be Miami? Yeah, I would not Florida State. <laughs> Norvell might not be there in January. Uh, Napier's off to a slow start, and I have my doubts about. Mario Cristobal's kind of development or coaching, but he can recruit. Um, yeah. and ultimately, that's what's going to matter most. Yeah, I know Florida State's had some wins recently. They got the other day uh, Kelrick uh, Falk, a four-star defensive lineman, top 100 kid from Alabama. And by, Alabama's – the amount of quality players in Alabama is just unreal this year. Another top 100, top 200 kid just committed to Kentucky. but. Yeah, they haven't got a good break. Yeah, I know. I know. Imagine if he was coaching Wisconsin and had no players in his backyard. <laughs> but like, I'm usually, you know, I'm older than you guys. When I was starting up at Athlon in, in 2001, you know, Florida State was awesome, but slowly not being awesome. And it took us like five years to realize, like we'd rank them in the top five every year. Well, it's Florida State. And like, it took us like five years to realize, okay, it's not going to be, they're not going to be awesome every year. And obviously they, they rebounded and won the national title. My point being like, I have a hard time getting in my skull that like, why aren't they better? Like, and I know not everyone can recruit well, but I just, I'm still floored that, you know, new staff and they're still not getting it done. Like I would expect them to. Do you guys look at Florida state differently because you're the, when you started watching college football, am I off on that? No, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's, well, I, at least I, I definitely did a couple of years ago, but they just been like so down for so long that I, I, I just don't really think of them much anymore. That's my I point. Get. Like the, yeah, you, someone who follows the sport, you cover it. You just don't think of Florida state as a national power or national recruiting power. They have, they, they have no juice. Um, there's, there's not, I, I feel like, yeah, there's just something missing there. Like from the, from the top, it's not that I think like, even like Mike Norvell, I think is a, is a good football coach. I just feel like the head coach of Florida State should like have a little more juice to him than than what he has than what his predecessor had. Like to go from the cult of personality of Bobby Bowden to even Jimbo Fisher to what they are now is is a little stark. How yeah. do you view Florida State, Antonio? I think if we come kind of numb to like <laughs> them just being bad, it's uh, they kind of slipped towards the end of Jimbo's tenure that last year. They definitely did, um, and then. Yeah, I feel like the last time they really had juice was like that celebration, like that opening kickoff versus Virginia Tech uh, in that Labor Day game where they were doing all that dancing and stuff like that, and then they got their ass kicked. And like, they <laughs> I love games kick. like that when we have no idea how either team is going to be, and we just yeah. uh, just at the feel of a big time game, it was like, wow, this is this they are good. Yeah. And then they haven't had like any swagger like since then, and just like all gone. And I think losing Travis Hunter uh, last December was a big blow that kind of would have never happened to them in the past when they did have that juice. Uh, so, um, you know, when, when I started watching college football is kind of when they declined a little, and then obviously there was, they still had that brand name though. And when, when they declined, when they were losing to like wake forest, they 30 to nothing and stuff like that. Like it never felt like this. Oh, wow. The wake hat. Yeah. Put on the wake hat, turned it around. But when, you know, they dec- when they declined and they had that little dip then, it didn't feel like this to where it was like, oh, man, like, is this going to get better? Like, you knew it had the potential to get better. And this time it's like, uh, like I'm, I'm not sure. 
That was one of the most staggering, shocking scores. Like, I, I guess Wake was good that year. Was that the year they won the league I guess, eventually? But we didn't know. I mean, the fact that Wake – and it was in Tallahassee, I believe. The fact that Wake could go down there and shut them out was just – you know, that'd be a fun story, like the most surprising stores, scores over the last 20 years. Not necessarily the biggest upsets, just the scores mm-hmm. that you just like said, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. Jacksonville State, Florida State this year would be the way that game ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Coach Prime will never let that happen. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, LSU, another program that's been in the news for recruiting, but you know, a great week. But only nine, uh, only two of their eleven commitments are from in-state. That's just shocking. I mean, they went, they got uh, four-star defensive lineman Deshaun Womack from Baltimore, four-star defensive lineman Darren Reed from Columbus. They got another four-star this week from uh, Minneapolis. So that's really weird. Brian Kelly just not just he's picking the big cities too. He's going to Minneapolis, Baltimore, and Indy. So yeah, I just to pull up LSU's 2023 class and see at the top uh, Minneapolis, Baltimore, St. Louis, Long Beach, California, and Indianapolis is very strange. Yeah, I don't. That's not you know we a lot of times we talk about a sustainable model on this show. I don't think that's necessarily a sustainable model. The sustainable model for LSU is kicking ass in state. Now a little weird this year. With you know the top player being Arch Manning and, and Ari talked about yeah. this last week. I don't know. I don't fault LSU for not getting Arch Manning. He's the third Manning to come from that high school in the past what 25, 30 years, whatever, and mm-hmm. none of them went to LSU. Um, so you know, Antonio, you you covered covered Jackson State and Ole Miss, right, for the Clarion yeah. Ledger for a few years. Um, no real. I'm just trying to like. Did, did those schools do well in Louisiana when you were there? Or was it just sort of like, I mean, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, was it just sort of like you don't go – unless you're Alabama, you're not going into Louisiana to get a kid. That's funny. I was talking to – Unless it's Dak Prescott. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to a coach from – who used to coach at Ole Miss for for a story a couple of months ago, and he was just like, yeah. Do you freeze? <laughs> no. Houston, Houston nut? <laughs> and, uh, and he was telling me, like, yeah, when you go to Louisiana, like, like I have the confidence in myself that I can get any kid, but like you know, you're not going to get them because <laughs> they're going to go to LSU. I, uh, I I tell this story I've told on this podcast, but I remember this is basketball. But Kevin Stallings, when he was at Vanderbilt, was recruiting a kid from Louisiana, and he he said Roy Williams once told me about recruiting in Louisiana. I said the kid's going to LSU. He might not know he's going to LSU, but he's going to LSU, and I think that's kind of what most people think for football, but it's not the case this year. Yeah, exactly, and. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, they'd get some guys from there, but um, there'd be the lower-rated guys, the, the three stars who LSU kind of overlooked, like a Dak Prescott or something like that who ends up at Mississippi State. Um, those are the type of prospects. They're not going to really take the high-end guys um, that are always going to go to LSU. Mitch, has Ari ever told uh, his his uh, New Orleans recruiting story on this podcast when he and I went to uh, John Curtis – no. High school down there in, in River Ridge, Louisiana, outside of New Orleans. Uh, he and I were both covering Ohio State at the time, and we went down there to basically write this story. Like, why why don't kids ever leave Louisiana? Yeah, together, uh, you went together. Were you around this kids covering the same? Were you working the same outlet? We, yes, we were. We were. It was why after, you, why'd both of you guys go? It's kind of it weird. Was, it was after Ohio State won the national title okay. um, in 2014. Uh, he and I rented a car in Dallas and then drove across the South for two weeks on our way back to Columbus to write a bunch of recruiting. Thanks stories. for stopping by to see me. We didn't know you at the time. Yeah, true. Um, or else we would have, because we did yeah. go to we did go to Nashville, I believe. Okay. Um, but anyway, we we stopped in New Orleans and uh, to write the story. Why why don't kids ever leave Louisiana? And we were sitting there in the hallway. At, I believe the school's called John Curtis. Yes. I get confused because the coach was named JT Curtis, but he, JT Curtis is the coach and John Curtis is the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were sitting there waiting for the coach JT Curtis to come out of his office. And I turned to Ari. I said, "Wouldn't it be funny if like we're we've been hold, held up here because Les Miles is just in there shooting the <laughs> shit with JT Curtis?" And then I swear to God, the door opened and Les Miles walked out. Um, and then the coach is like, "Oh yeah, Les is here all the time." And we're like, "Oh, that's why kids never leave Louisiana." But like, I don't. I wonder. Like you can envision that, right? With like Les Miles and Cojo, and I guess maybe and Nick Saban, of course. And maybe over time you build that up, but it's hard for me to like put Brian Kelly in that scenario and see him do the same thing. Yeah. And, may, you know, I said it's not sustainable. LSU still is a national brand. So maybe they can pluck enough kids away from some, you know, big cities. Um, but that, that state's just too talented for them not to, 
uh, not to recruit there. Where'd you guys eat in New Orleans? I mean, I don't know if you, my whole family's from New Orleans. My uncle owned a restaurant in the French Quarter. I've, I almost went to Tulane. I've, I, I know the city well. Um, I can't. Uh, so at the time, Ari was on this like diet where he wasn't eating real food. So um, he looked great. He looked like a million bucks. Good, good, um, good plan for going through New Orleans. But he made tremendous sacrifices to look that way. Um, he, ask him about that summer sometime, Mitch. He had a good okay. time. Uh, but I, I can't remember. I went to some place in the French Quarter and got uh, blackened gator that was very good. I can't, I can't remember what it was called. But then I also went to a place called, I think it was called Krabby Jacks. It was like on the river. And I went there and got a po' boy. And it was like, I don't know. You can't. This is this is not a visual medium, but my yeah. hands are very far apart. Uh, it was it was a big ass sandwich that I got there. It was probably one of the top five sandwiches I've ever had. It was a it was a shrimp po' boy. It was great. Did you spend much time in New Orleans, Antonio, in your uh, Mississippi days? Yeah, that was a that was a June trip. Uh, pretty much every year, I was going to New Orleans and spending some time there for for my birthday and stuff. So, um, spent a lot of time. In, that's where I actually had my bachelor party in uh, New Orleans. So nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, I um, so most kids we like at, at Vanderbilt go to spring break somewhere in Destin or Florida, but I'd always go to New Orleans with my friends because my uncle owned a restaurant. So we'd like I stay at my grandmother; she lived at a condo, and we free beer at my uncle's restaurant. So it, it worked out great. So man, that's it, awesome. Yeah, it was a good deal. It was a good deal. One time I brought we ran into a bunch. Of, we were there for Mardi Gras, and so this wasn't spring break. We ran into like about six or seven kids we knew from Vanderbilt who were down there who didn't have a place to stay yet. So I was like, yeah, just come back to my grandmother. She lived in some like two bedroom <laughs> condo in Metairie. It was like, uh, you guys are too old. For- you ever watch Melrose place or are you too young for this? Yeah. I watched her. Okay. So it's like, it was like Melrose. It looked like Melrose place, except everyone was like over 80 and they lived, you know, New Orleans. I came back at like one in the morning and I was like, um, I brought some friends back. So we literally had like 15 people sleeping in floors all over my grandmother's uh, condo. Um, so, but Hey, worked out free place to stay. Um, all right. Bouncing around a little bit. Um, some, some notable commit. Do you guys see U- UCF has turned into the twin commitments. They got commitments mm-hmm. from four star twins, Michael and Andrew Harris. It's the second year in a row. They've got commitments from identical twins. And then they also the Griffins from what, mm-hmm. five, six, seven years ago. So that's a, I don't know if it's being, I don't know if that's a sustainable, uh, recruiting model of recruiting strategy but you know i like it yeah just go yeah. find a couple yeah just go find you need triplets need triplets there you go when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, Florida, I feel like, you know, Ari's not here, but we can talk about uh, Billy Napier's recruiting prowess. Uh, they got four-star TJ Searcy from, uh, from Georgia, number 153. Kansas State, big commit. Avery Johnson, quarterback from Mays, Kansas, which is a great name for a town in Kansas. Uh, two four-stars in that class this year. Um, Mentioned Florida State, uh, Nebraska, top 100 player, O'Marion Miller from Louisiana. I don't know the deal there, but from Vivian, Louisiana, not going to LSU, going to Florida State. So a um, few mailbag questions, and we'll get to trivia here. Um, this was from Dominic, and you guys, I think this would be good because three of us kind of have covered different parts. Although, Antonio, you, you were down here in SEC country. Like I've been to every SEC stadium, been to almost no others other than like Michigan, and Syracuse, um, and Bill, obviously, Big Ten, Antonio, Pac-12. Based on schools or stadiums you've been to, if you had to rank their recruitment abilities based on the beauty of the campus and stadiums, what are your top five? So, like, if you're an impressionable 17-year-old kid and you're just like, wow, this is cool, Bill Landis, where are you going? Uh if, I wish the Rose Bowl was like near UCLA because then I think UCLA be up there. But the idea of having to go that far to play in your stadium, like I, I suppose that's why they have a hard time. Maybe Antonio can correct me on that, but that that's kind of a weird setup there. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I think I'd put USC up there. I like USC's campus a lot. The Coliseum's really cool. Um, places I've been to. Okay, what if you had to go in the Big Ten? Ohio State would. Penn State. Well, you went to Penn State, so I don't love. I, I don't. I don't consider like Ohio State's campus particularly nice. Ohio. I like Ohio. Is it State so big. 
Yeah, because the thing Ohio State has going for it is like Columbus is an actual city. I don't think people yeah. realize that, but and, and a lot of recruits, frankly, say it when they get here. It's like I thought Ohio State was in the middle of nowhere. Like, no, it's like <laughs> the 14th largest city in the country and, and growing every day. Um, so if you're into that, it's I, I wouldn't say that it has like a collegial feel, but it has a lot of things to do because it's a real city and the shoe is cool. So I guess you could put Ohio state up there. Um, if you're talking more like quintessential college feel, beautiful campus, beautiful stadium, that kind of like symbiotic relationship there, I would put Michigan up against most. I think, I think Ann Arbor is a great college town. Um, the big house is, is like a, a bit of a marvel to see. It's not the loudest stadium in the world because of how it's designed, but it's still like an iconic college football stadium. So I think I think that is up there. Um, and then I'd say one uh, one other that I've been to, but had not seen a game there, but also I think has a cool campus and a cool stadium is LSU. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll Antonio, you go then I'll go. Yeah, I went to to Michigan for. A game back in 2011, Brady Hoke's return. San Diego State played at Michigan. Nice uh, in 2011. It was unveiling the statue. Yeah, so you know, obviously that was a pretty cool campus. I, I love going to, to Notre Dame every other year. Um, that's a great campus to be. I've around. been there too. Yeah, yeah. Stadium. Um, I didn't. I haven't seen much of LSU's campus, but that's like the most impressive uh, stadium and atmosphere uh, I've been to when I was there. That's when. Uh, it's like sometimes you still see the screen grab that people post where it's like Leonard Fournette had like seven carries for 249 yards against Ole Miss um, to where he busts like 80-yard runs. And that stadium was really a great place to be. Um, the Pac-12 Washington is really nice. Yes, actually I've been there too. Yeah, by the lake. Uh, it's a little cold for me, but um, you know that's an impressive place. I haven't been to Oregon, and that's one I want to see. And obviously USC at the Coliseum. It's in the middle of a city, so it's not really a college feel to it. Um, but that's a good one as well. Yeah, I'd go Georgia number one. I don't know if you guys have been to Athens. No, uh, I haven't. Best common to me, best combination of cool college town, great stadium, tradition, and fans. I like Auburn. I think Auburn's campus is great. I've been there a bunch. Oh, yeah, I, I, I broke into Auburn Stadium uh, a couple summers ago on vacation. Ooh. We stopped there and I and I walked into the stadium when I shouldn't have, but I would agree with that based on that experience. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. LSU. I haven't been on the actual campus much. I don't really love Baton Rouge, but you know you can't beat that. Tennessee's stadium is great. It's I love it's the the vertical. Have you guys been there? It's so you know much more vertical than a lot. Like you feel like mm-hmm. the fans are more on top of you there. Arkansas is really cool. I've only been to, I've been to one Arkansas game, and it was they were it was like three. It was into the, the Chad Morris era, and they were terrible. There weren't many people there, but like I, I, I liked Arkansas. I went there uh, in 2016, and so that's when Bielema was still there, and it's still somewhat good times. And uh, that was an impressive atmosphere. I think that was one of the more sneaky, like impressive ones for the SEC. Great town too. Underrated. Northwest Arkansas is really nice. Yeah, they've got amazing fans. Their baseball fans are obviously incredible, and in basketball, that place when it gets going can be great too. So, have you guys um, ever been to like any of the mountain based school? Like, I guess Antonio, you've probably been to Utah, right? But I'm wondering, like Utah, Colorado, BYU. Um, I've been to Wyoming. I thought Wyoming was really cool. Yeah, Colorado is like a beautiful scenery. Like there's no like atmosphere there now. Yeah. Um, that's a, a great setting. And BYU and uh, BYU has like a really nice mountain backdrop. Like when you're in their press box, it's really nice. And Utah has uh, somewhat similar. Um, and those are, you know, beautiful settings to watch to watch a game in. Yeah, I, I went to Utah. I went to Salt Lake City last summer and just walked by the stadium. It looks cool. You know, on TV, it just looks like a great atmosphere there too. So that's one I'd love to go to BYU. Um, and if Ari were here, he'd tell us how great Arizona is, but he's not. So um, this question's hard to answer and yeah, I don't really have a good answer, but it's from Logan. What's the point of silent commits? What does that even <laughs> signify in a recruiting landscape where verbal commitments aren't binding to begin with? And also do you have a sense of how often a silent commit ends up decommitting privately? I mean, I guess it could be if you're on a visit and you want to tell the coach there, so you secure your spot. But you know, you also want to have a signing day announcement. And but there's there's different kinds of silent commits. Like, any of you guys have a good answer? I don't, but it just reminds me of Mike Bone, who's obviously like loved at SC now uh, because he hired Lincoln Riley and he moved into the Big Ten. But I remember the day they announced they were retaining Clay Helton in 2019. 
he met with me and uh, a couple other reporters and he told us this is when the recruiting class was like 60th, like 64th in the country or whatever. And he told it's us Ari's favorite class. He brings it up all the time. <laughs> and, and he told us like recruiting is going well, better than anyone, like much better than ever, everyone thinks. And like the premise behind that was because USC like had like four silent commits who like didn't end up going there. And so like the fans just like didn't let it go for like <laughs> two, two or three years because you know, they were pissed about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know the point. I don't. I don't know the point of silent commit. I, I suppose it is to lock down your spot while still playing the game. And and like I, if you're well, a player, you, you wrote about. It. Sorry to interrupt, but this kind of go, I, when I wrote this question down, I thought of your story. It kind of goes that story you wrote a couple, maybe six months ago with Sam about, uh, you know, some. I guess it happens more in the in the G five. Some schools maybe welcome a silent commit because they don't want other schools to know about you. Oh but yeah, if not, you're, I think, yeah, I don't think that's really the point of the question, though. But but I think that I think that is right. If you're, uh, um, we were we were writing about a lot of G five schools at the time, but like like I don't know, like Texas Tech or like a lower like a kind of a lower level P five school. I think you probably welcome that if it, if it, if you found a kid who you think is a stud and he silently commits to you and no one knows about it, because that's the kind of thing that puts kids on the radar. Then then I suppose if you're in that position, you welcome it. But if you're like, I don't know, an Ohio State or a USC or any other program that operates like at that level of the sport, I, you probably don't want them because all it does is hamstring you trying to go like recruit other players. And then maybe at the end you get left like holding the bag because that kid decides he doesn't want to go to you when all along he was telling you he was coming to your school. So um, I guess there's two sides to that, but I would, if I'm a program, I think I would much prefer to not have any silent commitments. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Actually, Ooh, a little thunder in the background there. Um, nice. Probably didn't hear it. So that'll sound weird for me. Um, well, you've got, <laughs> you've got a, I got scared there. You got a story publishing today, Thursday on Von Bell, who you call maybe the most important Ohio state commitment in 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I thought this quote, I think it was from urban. My, it was his high school coach saying that like on their last pitch, they said, and this is, it was a five-star safety from Georgia, but really from Chattanooga, right? Are you right on the border there in Tennessee? Yeah. He was down to Alabama, Ohio State in Tennessee, and his Urban Meyer evidently said, Alabama wants you, Ohio State needs you. Tell us about a little bit about that commitment, why you think it was the most important for a school that's you know strung together top five classes. So this was the, the 2013 recruiting class. It was really the, the first class that Urban Meyer recruited kind of in its entirety to Ohio State. There, there might be one or two guys who might have already been committed when Urban got there, sometimes in-state guys recruit really early, or commit really early. But, but for all intents and purposes, this was Urban's first class at, in Columbus. And when he got there, he basically put out an edict to his staff that we're going to go beat the SEC for for SEC caliber players, the kind of guys you would just assume would end up at an Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, wherever in the SEC. Um, Urban was the head coach of Florida. Obviously, he beat Ohio State in the national championship. And the prevailing thought coming out of that was that Ohio State just didn't match up athletically. And, and when Urban got to Ohio State, his first thought was, we have to be able to match up athletically with the SEC. And the only way to do that is to go beat them for players. So Von Bell was was kind of the, the poster boy for that. I, I think they identified him fairly early on uh, upon arriving there. Um, he sent Everett Withers, who was their defensive coordinator at the time, down to recruit Vaughn. Um, I talked with Everett for that story. Um, he said he was, you know, he felt like he was in, in Chattanooga every week trying to go to yeah, Vaughn's games, talk, talk to Vaughn. Yeah. Vaughn. Vaughn's mom lived in Chattanooga. His dad lived closer to Memphis. That, that is not a, That's a, not a short, <laughs> it's not a short car ride, um, but he, he would try to get to them both. Um, he just became a very important player in Ohio State's mission to beat the SEC for SEC players, and and they did it. Um, the following year, they signed another five-star kid from down there. They've been a pretty steady presence in Georgia. They've I, I don't want to say they've regularly beaten SEC teams, but they've had their fair share of really good victories against SEC programs for players in Georgia and Florida and Texas, maybe even a little further up the Eastern Seaboard and, and like the Carolinas and, and certainly in, in Maryland, like. Ohio State has always been a national brand. They have not always recruited nationally to the extent that they do now, but that was a, a little bit of a switch under Urban and Von Bell was was kind of the the, the proof, I guess. They need a proof of concept, and that was, and Von Bell's recruitment or commitment was that. Yeah, I don't know what the statute of limitation is on like revealing stuff from an embed, but um, I've told Bill this story. I was actually 
in the Vanderbilt war room that day doing a behind the scenes story. Cause that's back when James Franklin was the coach and they were recruiting very well. And Andy Staples, our colleague, Andy Staples was doing the same thing. I was at SI sitting right next to me. And when Von Bell went on like ESPN, U- and, and Vanderbilt had recruited Bell, but obviously didn't get him. They didn't want him to go to Tennessee. The Vanderbilt coaching staff uh, cheered loudly when, uh, when Von Bell uh, committed to uh, Ohio state and not Tennessee. So I was thought that was pretty funny. Uh, I think they tried to steer him away from Tennessee and I don't know, maybe it, Maybe it's what they said worked. Maybe it had nothing to do with what Urban Meyer said. It was probably just James Franklin's. Well, I think uh, so. So, so, so Vaughn Vaughn said that Tennessee finished second. Um, that day, there were reports that he was going to go to Tennessee. Um, somewhere along the line, Tennessee, I feel like, had gotten word that Vaughn was going to pick them. And honestly, that was around the time where Butch Jones took over for Derek Dooley. And from everyone I talked to, like Derek Dooley did nothing to try to get Von, Von Bell or did the, <laughs> like, did like the bare minimum to get a five-star safety who was actually from Derek Dooley's stories just keep yeah. – that means 10 years later, and there's still great Derek Dooley stories. Von Bell is a five-star safety from Chattanooga. It's like two hours from Knoxville. He grew up a Tennessee fan, um, <laughs> and like Tennessee just didn't recruit him. And then Butch Jones, I think, did a lot of really good work to close that gap quickly and put Tennessee in a position to finish second. But uh, the, my, my overwhelming thought like, c- coming out of writing the story was that if Tennessee had like any stability whatsoever, Vaughn would have gone there. Yeah, and you know, who, does that change the trajectory of Ohio State? Do they still win a national championship two years later? Probably. And, but, I mean, that class know. was, yeah, that class was still awesome, the 2013 class. He was the, he was the highest rated player in that class. So that class had like Joey Bosa, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, JT Barrett. Um, I'm forgetting a bunch of guys, but like the, 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 the core of their national championship team was formed by that 2013 class. All right, guys ready for a little trivia. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. This one's not easy. Assuming Caden Proctor signs with Iowa, he will be the first top 10 player to sign with Iowa in the modern era. How many schools have signed only one top 10 player in the modern era, 2002 and on? How many schools have signed a one top 10 player in the last 20 years? Yeah, just one. Like not, you know, because obviously most schools that are in that swim in those waters have signed a lot. Or none. And there's a lot that have signed none, I guess. Right. right? right. Um, signed just one. Uh, Go looking, Antonio. Six. Not, not that you could do the research. Okay. Landis says six. Antonio, what's your number? I was going to say seven. Okay. If this were um, the price is right, Antonio would win. It's 10, including Iowa. So hold on. Take three, six. Yeah. Okay. You, you try and name them. We won't spend too much time on this. I can't believe Antonio just got me with the prices right <laughs> over yeah. uh, v- Veteran move there. Top 10, one top 10 player in the last 20 years. Um, UCLA. No, they I, they were, as I was doing that making list, they had um, ended up having two or three um, for a while. Who's the number? Jalen Phillips was one, and then they had, they had another one when uh, Moore was there. Does Jackson or, State count? Jackson State counts, yes. <laughs> the South Carolina one? No, South Carolina's had a bunch, actually. You know, they, you know, uh, Clowney. Because I know that Clowney didn't know if the other guys were in the top 10. Yeah, Zach, Zach uh, Pickens, I think, from a few years ago. They've had like four. Surprise, like, they, 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 they like don't sign guys right in the 50s. They sign them either like top 10 guys or top 300 guys. Mm, Wisconsin. Nope. We're going to be here all day trying to yeah, get I, I like this guy. Most of these will make – that's why I don't want to give them away right now because most of them you'll be like, okay, that makes sense. Whole Some base. of them you want. Okay. Uh, one, um, one of them is a P5 guy whose school will be in the – G. no, excuse me, is a G5 guy whose school will be in the P5 in a couple of years. BYU. Well, that's not who I was thinking of because I don't know if we consider – but, yes, BYU is one of them. Ben Olsen, quarterback in 2002. The other one is – Ed Oliver, Houston. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we got three current Pac-12 schools, Antonio. Arizona State? Nope. Uh, Oregon? Nope. Okay, I'll give it. Washington, Shaq Thompson. Sam Heward was like 11 or 12. Okay. Cal, do you know who it is? Sean uh, Jackson. Keenan oh. Allen. Oh, yeah. Colorado. This one's tough. This is back in my – I remember from my early Athlon sports days. It was a big deal. 
running back? Is it Daryl Scott? Yes. Good nice. call. North Carolina, you know who it is? The Zach Rice, the offensive lineman they got this year, was top 10 at one point, but he was 11. So is, not is him. Austin? Yes. Landis, you're pretty, this is embarrassing. <laughs> West Virginia? Is it Noah Devine? Bingo. I know all the I know all these answers. Nintendo's just beating me to the punch. I swear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Family Feud, the buzzer, <laughs> or of Jeopardy, buzzing in. Arkansas. Uh, is it a quarterback? Pretty, yeah, pretty notable guy. Like, is it McFadden? Um, uh, oh yeah, Mitch Mustaine. Yes. Yeah. And then, I know Landis, you're kind of our Rutgers uh, expert. Did this state of the program last year. I I am a proud New Jersey native, and I was. In the industry when this happened, I don't remember this guy. In 2003, the Shiano man signed a uh, – that would have been him, yeah. Signed a top 10 guy. No idea. Antonio? No idea. Nate Robinson? Not the, the Knicks, basketball player? Not, not the Knicks, <laughs> yeah. Defensive tackle, so. All right. I'll, uh, I'll recycle this next week because I'm sure Ari won't listen. So, <laughs> even if he right, Ari won't look at the Google Doc. Yeah, yeah, no, he, yeah, he doesn't know how to access Google Docs, so uh, no concern there. So, um, all right, guys, uh, good stuff. A lot of USC, Ohio State talk. Ari's the one that usually uh, brings us out of these podcasts, and he's very eloquent. I never listened to the ve- you on, on uh, Ohio State pod, Bill. You, I know you bring in, but you, you bring out too. Ari's just the pretty face. That's right. Yep. You do all the heavy. Does he do any planning for that, or you just does he just show up? He just shows up. Okay. Yeah, figure. So I hope he doesn't. Okay. I hope he doesn't uh, mind me saying that. But yeah, he just. Well, I think up. it's part of his uh, charm, should we say? Uh, so, all right, guys. Well, this was Stars Matter, recruiting podcast from the Athletic. Thanks for joining me. Yeah.